Welcome to the Inspire People Impact Lives podcast. This podcast is for people who are looking to get more out of life by making an impact on those around them. Each week, we bring you local, influential business and community leaders, delivering powerful messages to help you live a more inspiring and impactful life. Coming to you live from Northwestern Mutual Middleton, here's your host, Josh Kosnick. Welcome to another episode of Inspire People Impact Lives. If you've been listening to the show for a while, please do us a favor and go over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. It's free to subscribe. Subscribing does not get, sign you up for anything, but you will be able to get notifications weekly as our episodes come out. Second, we invite you to join us for our Driving Out Childhood Cancer Golf Tournament on June 6th. That's a Thursday this year. This is a fun-filled day of golfing and activities at Pleasant View Golf Course here in Middleton, Wisconsin, and 100% of the proceeds go to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation for Childhood Cancer Research. We have a big goal to raise over $1.5 million by 2028. We'd love to have you involved, whether it's through sponsorship or to show up and play some golf that day. To do that, go to www.drivingoutchildhoodcancer.com. Again, that's www.drivingoutchildhoodcancer.com. This event has raised tens of thousands of dollars over the past two years for UW Children's Hospital, and we'll continue to do that work until we get to that $1.5 million by 2028. All right. Today, I am very pleased to have Spencer X. Smith joining me on the podcast. For those of you that don't know Spencer, he is the founder of Amplify Social Media Strategies. And he's also an instructor at University of Wisconsin and Rutgers University Mini MBA program, where he teaches classes on social media strategy and social selling. He's had the privilege of giving over 200 speeches since 2015, so he's been busy, including at the New York Stock Exchange in 2017. His company, Amplify, has also won the In Business Executive Choice Award for Social Media Consulting Company for three consecutive years now. Spencer has also been featured and quoted in Forbes magazine, The Huffington Post, Money Magazine, Entrepreneur, Inc. Magazine, Yahoo Small Business Advisor, MSN Money, Costco Connection, which he recently told me is the most publicated uh, uh, magazine in the country, and writes this column for Social Biz for In Business Magazine. He also is the co-author of the book Ratoma, the ROI of social media top of mind. So Spencer, welcome to the show. I'm excited to dive right in with you today. We're very interested to hear your thoughts on social media strategies and tips our listeners should be implementing. But first, could you give us a little bit on your background? In brief, both IT and finance backgrounds. I started at IBM just out of college, did the Y2K thing, if you recall that no. at all, and then got into financial services after selling my IT company in 2006. Sold 401k plans for about a decade and then started this social media company. So it's been an interesting, interesting yeah. time. Yeah. So explain your pro thought process going out of, you know, selling 401k plans where you're clearly successful if you made it a decade in that. And like, I'm going to jump into this thing. Yeah, it was <laughs> as a as a sales guy, I knew it was really, really important to have advisors because that's who we would sell to through 401ks, having advisors think about me more often than not. And usually I was relegated to leaving voicemails and then sending emails and that kind of stuff. And I saw this social media thing coming and I go, wow, this is really just IT. This is computer stuff. And then we use it for sales. But being highly, highly, highly regulated, I couldn't touch it at all. So I thought, well, if I left the securities business, give up my licensing and actually started exploring these things, perhaps we could use it for good. And that's what's what's happened as a result. Well, that's, that's interesting. We talked about that at the end business event, how people are talking heads like Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey have never passed a test to mm -hmm. do what advisors do, but yet they're seen as the experts out there. But because of uh, regulations, if they had passed our exams, they'd be held liable for the advice they give. So in order to be an expert in our world, I guess you can't be an expert at all. <laughs> or, or you have a great podcast that people listen to and they're like, well, Josh clearly knows what he's talking about. So let's let's have a meeting, right? I hope that's the case sometime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But for you, I mean, that's a big risk, yeah. right? And that's why I, I admire the entrepreneurial spirit so much is you leave this, you know, you know, security, right? Mm -hmm. Or what you at least perceive to be security to take this risk and start a company and to branch out and have, you know, some independence. But the income, you know, is totally uncertain. You don't know if it's going to work. You have big dreams. So... Um, so now you started as you, right? And yep. started that company. And now what have you grown to? We have five. We have five, five people. Yep. So. Yeah. 
And the, and the other piece of this that a lot of people don't realize is like, okay, IT is a big world and whatnot, but you kind of specialize in financial services, right? Yeah, and it, it was almost accidental in the sense that I, I knew I had that background and I knew that if, it, if I created content for those that were in financial services, it would resonate with them. But I didn't think there was really a financially viable model there because no one had adopted social media. So I first focused it on, on legal a lot because mm -hmm. I felt like lawyers were kind of slow adopters as well so I could play in that space. And financial services just kind of by happenstance started to come around and said, hey, you know, the stuff that you've been sharing for a couple of years, it's it's making sense. And now our compliance is allowing us to do more. So it, 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 uh, it was fortuitous that people saw me for a while and then they finally were able to do something. Like a slow battle cruiser, it's coming around. There you go. Yes. <laughs> like yes. It is not a speedboat yes. in financial services by any means. So let's let's talk about the book, Rotoma, uh, ROI of social media, top of mind. What was the inspiration behind it? Just vanity. I just wanted to have a book. No, it's... Um, what was interesting is I, I had done a lot of blogging, right? And when you put something on a blog, it's it's almost like a like a newspaper or a magazine where people can pick it up and then they can just dismiss it. Well, there's something new tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I felt like there was a lot of really valid points that maybe weren't given the credence, perhaps, if I could be so bold to say that. So when you put something in a book and you have something physical and you give it to somebody, they go, oh, wow, it's if it's in physical form, it must be better than not. So that was really it, man, is to get a message out there that's concise and something that people can page through easily, grab a lesson, and then move on, go back to their day. So that was really the impetus for it. Is. No, it's interesting as you say that. So I have three books sitting out here on my desk. Uh, and that physical thing you say, so I listen to a lot of Audible, but I also read physical copies. So part of my morning routine is reading. Um, and even the books that I listen to on Audible, if I like, I buy the physical copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, for me, like I like the big bookshelf. Uh, I, I guess as a kid, I always wanted that sliding ladder uh, bookshelf <laughs> in my house, which I don't have yet, but in my next house that w will be on the dream list. Awesome. But uh, there is something to that psychology. So it's interesting you say that, but I just resonated with that as I'm looking at the book sitting next to me and, and thinking about my Audible purchase going to actual physical copy, even though I already heard the book. Yeah, and what you brought up is, is a really good analog for when we talk about anything that's digital and social as well, is that if people can digest information in different ways, they're going to learn things in a different respect, right? So to have both of those things where you hear it in one ear when you're maybe doing something else and then you focus your concentration, I feel like the more that people can put out things like you were doing with this podcast or writing or videos or whatever it might be, you're going to hit a different audience at a different time and they're going to be affected by it. Yeah. yeah, and I, and I like doing my own um, cliff notes. So I'll highlight her. I used to like handwrite notes, and now I have enough uh, uh, staff power, team power, where I highlight and they take the notes for me and get them back to me. Nice. Uh, but then that's nice is that I can go back to those versus going and rereading the entire book. I reread what was really important to me at that time and what I thought was interesting, and then I can share those to people as well. And then maybe they pick up the book because of that. Very cool. So. Uh, what was it? What is the meaning or ideology behind Rotoma? I know you told me it rhymes with Sonoma, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's a made up acronym. I gotta, I gotta disclose that first, and it stands for Return on Top of Mind Awareness. And my goal there was when we would go out initially about 2015 or so, when we talk about social media, digital marketing, people go, well, yeah, what's the ROI? Yeah. I go, okay, but let me just tell you what I used to do as a sales guy where I'd make all of these calls and in-person meetings just with hopes that people think about me at the opportune time. So that's where I figured the return on top of mind awareness is basically if people are thinking about you or they're not. Because if they go long enough without thinking about you at all, they forget when they have an opportunity. So that's the idea is just keep showing up, keep showing up, adding value, and then perhaps you'll get an opportunity. We're going to talk more about that on the social media side, I cool. assume. Right? Yes. All right, yes. cool. Experts say that you are the average of the five people you hang out with and the books that you read. We'd like to suggest the podcast that you listen to as well. So hit that subscribe button and add Madison's top leaders to your circle. We'd also encourage you to share this podcast with as many friends as possible. Our mission is simple, to inspire people and impact lives. If you know of a friend or colleague that could benefit from listening to some of Madison's top leaders, give us a share. Now, back to our guest. So uh, did you think as a child, you know, you're into IT, you're into stocks, which I was into football and sports, I think. <laughs> I, either way, like I didn't, and now that I'm in that, in this business on the financial end of things, there's something I don't think I ever really saw. But you as a child had that forethought. Did you ever think that, did you have the forethought that you were going to write a book? No, not at all. Not at all. It, it was um, it was something that, as I said, it was it was really almost a demand 
put on me to say, I need, when I go out and give speeches or when people go, well, can you give me something that's indicative of what you do as opposed to pointing to a blog post? This is just a good encapsulation of that. So again, it's the, the gravity of having something physical. So on that book side, for those that had that forethought as kids, or if uh, if they now just have that you know tickle in their gut that they want to do that now, what advice would you give to someone that wants to write a book? Start and start writing as much as you possibly can in blog form, which would be daily, and then extract the salient points from that and then put it together. Because it's really, it, I, I don't see a book as like the, the Walden Pond thing, like I'm gonna re- go to a resort or I, you know, a retreat of some kind for four months and just pound out everything and then suddenly I have this wonderful piece of work. It's really more so a collection of thoughts. And now because there's no barriers to actually getting a physical book, the more somebody can put something out there and just say, hey, this is me, it's just people give it a different a different feeling than they would. If you well, don't or have the one. Ernest Hemingway where you just go to uh, islands and get drunk and that's and all that's another you're... option. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's great. So, who is the book for? Who is it targeted at? It's targeted at those in professional services that are responsible for business development. So people like you, attorneys, engineers, accountants, people who go, yeah, you know, this is just noise. This is you know this social media thing. That's for other people, not for me. And it's my goal to prove otherwise. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So you started your social media agency in 2017. Yep. What struggles did you encounter starting the business and what have you learned from those? There is a really, really awesome architect that he had come over from France in about the 1920s or so. And he had um, looked at the skyline in New York. He had romanticized about it. And he said, you know, this is something where if I could just make my, my mark here and have people look at New York in a different way, that would be a wonderful thing. And he came up with this design concept called Maya which is most advanced yet acceptable. And what I didn't get when I first started my social media company was I was most advanced. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm probably gonna bring you more complex ideas because they're better and they're harder. And people go, we're not, we're not ready for that yet. And they didn't tell me that overtly. It was more like, gosh, I really, I, we're not even to the point where we're dipping our toe in the water yet. So the more that we could adopt this idea of most advanced yet acceptable, if we could sell them something they want, right? And then sell them what they need, that's where it suddenly started taking off. So that was the biggest impediment for us is I was just too early with too many ideas. So that's interesting you say that because I think about myself as a business owner and many of the business owners that I've worked with over the years, there's so much demand on their time, on their resources. How do they place this? Like, I'm just trying to think through like all the stuff and all the demands and all the decisions we have to make on a day-to-day basis. But let's say I'm going into annual planning and we have, and obviously recruiting talent developing talent be uh, one of those top two, being a good steward of our dollars, how do we go about placing this in that those chain of things? When it comes to how we do, can you maybe say that? Yeah, so way? we're budgeting for next year. And yes. We're gonna bring in your team or we're gonna bring yeah. in and figure out how we're gonna really craft social media or, or, or maybe we're craft, maybe I'm working with Chad over here on our marketing budget. How are we gonna factor that in on the priority list? Yep. Yep, and it's, uh, maybe that's different for someone that's 20-something versus 50-something, which I'm sure it is. But what, would, what advice would you give there? That's a really good question. A lot of it has to do with how we allocate budget. And are we taking something that you are spending in one place and spending it somewhere else? Because that's less painful, if yeah, you will, yeah. than somebody putting themselves out there and going, we've never tried this before. And if it doesn't work, I have to own it. And that's the big issue. Like if you're the VP of marketing at a reputable company, the last thing you want to do is, is mess up and get fired. So we try to look at the, the st- from the standpoint of, you know, what, are, what business objective are we going to drive? Is it more people knowing you when you walk in a room and go, oh yeah, I always see your stuff. Or is it more educating those that might be in the pipeline or those that you already have on the books that you want to keep by way of dripping with educational material? So it's trying to back into whatever business objective we're trying to achieve first and then say, is this going to work or not? Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So what uh, what culture have you tried to build within your own, own organization? What are some of the keys that you've you know, really placed to achieve that type of culture? The more that I can shine the spotlight on those that work with me or those that we're serving, the better off we are. You know, the, the, I think that the ego is the biggest enemy possible when it comes to those who run businesses, because if you make it all about you, it's not just bad for culture, but what's going to happen when you can't do that thing that you were doing before, right? Like if you're the foremost expert and your time demands are getting so restricted and you try to get someone else involved and they don't do it as well as you, how would that make them feel if they're forced in that position? So I feel like both internally, so highlighting your employees in staff meetings and that kind of stuff, but then externally as well, because it's essentially free on social media mm-hmm. to brag about other people. 
I just think it's a wonderful way to show public appreciation for those that perhaps wouldn't hear it otherwise. Yeah, and and on social media, you see that there's so much, and then they can share that, and yeah. then their network can see that, and that's that's such a great thing. Um, I so I recall a story of, of uh, some people that I worked with in the past, and the salesperson started earning more than the business owner, and there was a ton of friction there. And all of a sudden, that, that friction turned into that salesperson, their top salesperson, no longer working there mm. because ego got in the way. And it wasn't a like this the situation was bad for the business and it was bad for the two individuals. But it's interesting as you talk about that ego and making sure you shine the spotlight because for the business owner, our return is going to come on the end. Yes. It doesn't, that doesn't, but our sales now and what's growing, we got to step that ego aside. So, some advice I was given as I was taking over this organization was let your ego be big enough to defer to theirs. Mm. And I thought it was really profound because I didn't, when it, when it was first said, it was said quickly, you talk fast. And I was like, right, I was <laughs> trying to process that. And because you're sitting there talking about let your ego be big enough, but then to defer to their ego. And and I work with a lot of high producers and a lot of talented people. And so what I got to make sure of and what I would encourage others to make sure of, like you said, shine the light on them and let them be that star and just take the back seat that's mm -hmm. what a leader does yes so that's great great advice thanks man. um so let's dive into some of the social media strategies because and that's your biggest focus on what you're really talented at so i'd like to focus specifically on that so the social media strategies for executives and those in highly regulated industries mm -hmm. like mine mm -hmm. such as the finance and then obviously you mentioned the legal side of things the, on the law side of things so how much opportunity or real opportunity is there for executives and firms in these industries, financial, legal, to really get out there? It's, it's astounding to me. So the more that we think about what can I put out there that's either going to be educational or help highlight those with whom I work, our clients, our prospective clients, et cetera, and less about how do we sell more stuff, the better it is. So every compliance document that I've ever read in financial services, which is dozens and literally hundreds of pages, it's all about innocuous stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, if you go to an event and you say, we had this great event and I'd like to give a shout out to this organization who supported us or whatever, compliance is totally cool with that because you're not saying buy this thing, I want to sell you this thing. So what I feel, man, is, is, is we were put in this position about 2012, 2013, where no one knew exactly what to do because this is such a new phenomenon. They go, don't do anything at all. And if you do publish anything, here's something that we've already approved for you to say, which is just a commercial. You know, it's like it's about our company and why it's so great. And it's really stodgy legal. It is. It is. And it's and, and the, the more that we can really bring out people's personality and you do a great job of this on LinkedIn, man, Like, bring out your personality of being giving and being forthcoming with what it is that you can share with people. That's just going to take your personality, make it bigger. And as you get more connections, more followers, people are going to look at you and go, wow, who is this guy who's who's confident enough to say, don't look at me, look at these other people. And I know I keep kind of harping on this, but every time I see it, especially if you have somebody with a C in their name somewhere, mm -hmm. like CEO, COO, whatever, and he or she were to take that thing and go, wow, I can publicly laud the accomplishments of the people with whom I work, mm -hmm. and they're not doing that? I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked. Let me tell you a quick story. So Home Depot is the fastest company ever to reach 100 million in sales, 200 million, 300 million, finally a billion dollars in sales, right? So the guy who was really important at that time, the CEO, said, we have to figure out a way to highlight the stories of these great employees that we have in Miami and these great employees that we have in Phoenix. But what are we going to do? So this is 15 years ago. He goes, well, let's grab a camera. We'll videotape these people telling their stories about how they helped this customer who came into Miami. We'll take a VHS tape and we'll send it over to Phoenix. And people really responded favorably to that. Like, oh, this is cool. Put it in the break room, tell good stories. Okay. So you know what we can do? We could actually broadcast this all to all the stores. All we need to do is launch, uh, excuse me, launch a satellite. So they did. Home Depot launched its own satellite just so it could sorry, just so it could broadcast the messages to all these respective stores. That's which is interesting. Which is bananas, right? Like I don't know how much that cost, but it was astounding. And now you fast forward to launch to, a satellite, I'm sure it's <laughs> right, a pretty penny. Right. And this was before SpaceX, before there was any kind of, you know, democratization of this. So now you'd look at this and you go, Well, any of us at any time can use these mechanisms to brag about other people and what it is that they've done. And I just see so little of that happening. So whether it's goodwill, whether it's employee retention, employee attraction, whether it's client attraction, like the more that you can tell those positive stories, the better off you're going to be across the board. 
And we know, I mean, studies just show with this millennial generation and, and what's coming up behind them with Gen Z is like that is one of the most important things that they, they really want to feel appreciated, really want to feel a part of something bigger than themselves. Yes. Whereas in your and I's generation, the baby boomers ahead of us, it was stand out individually. And uh, so I think that's probably where some of the disconnect comes in. If you have, uh, you know, people in the C-suite with the baby boomer or uh, Gen X uh, upbringing where they were taught to stand out and now they have to kind of reverse course and and really applaud those that they're leading on the millennial side or Gen Z side of things. And if I may, man, and you, you make a wonderful point because I think that's 100% true. What's really interesting when you dig into the psychology with those in the C-suite is they go, well, who really wants to listen to me anyway? Like I'm important here within these walls, but if I go outside of this, why would anyone care what I have to say? And I go, my goodness, like you've become so accustomed to being this important person at this company, you don't realize how you could transcend your organization and be important to all of these other people that could then look to you. So it's almost as though they, they, they look at themselves and they go, I'm not that big of a deal. What I say doesn't matter, but I'm, I would argue that it does really, really a lot. So Well, ahead. being 100% vulnerable, I had that thought when, he, when Chad brought this idea to me on the podcast. And it's, it's been really gratifying to get feedback on it. Just people, I had my wife's cousin in Indiana say, hey, I really love that stuff. Bring, bring more of it out. Like, I had no idea he was listening. Hmm. Like, didn't factor. I didn't, you know, this was more, I have local people on here and stuff. And he's been really inspired by, by some of the words that I've said. So the, you, you get that out there. And then it re, uh, reminded me of something my business coach has always told me. But this is more internal, but it goes for, I think, across the board is you, you have zero idea the power of the words you have on those you lead. Mm. You have no idea how much those words matter and just how words create worlds. Mm. And so that, as you're saying, so that we think that it's just internally in our organization because we're their leader, but how much our words can impact others. But now we think about that broadly, the social media influencers and some of the podcasts that I listen to we have no relationship. Mm -hmm. They're not my boss. They can't do anything to my business per se, but I listen to them and I learn from them and I grow with them. And I give the, you know could give them the same feedback if I happen to run into them or had their email address and say, how, man, this is how much you've inspired me and to do what I do and how much I, and this is some of the principles that I've used in my business to help my people grow that you've taught me. So when you think about it broadly like that, you're like, oh, no duh. Like, but I think we get in our own mind in our own way thinking like, oh, what we have to say is not relevant to the outside world. Yes. And because we you alluded to this, we don't have immediate feedback. So there's a wonderful, wonderful story from the Mayo Clinic. So back when doctors were first using the early, early Internet, like 20 years ago or so, they had these things called bulletin board services. And these docs at Mayo would go out to these bulletin boards and they type in something like, hey, I'm, I'm facing this thing with this patient. Does anybody know what I should do? They just you know share ideas, right? And what they discovered is amongst these bulletin board services, about ninety percent of people that were logged in were just spectators. They were they were silent. All they did was just take information. Nine percent actually engaged in subcapacity, answered questions, said that's a great comment. I'd like to follow up on that. One percent though were those that were posing the questions. They were the leaders of that group. And I think now they call it the one percent rule of the internet. That applies entirely as well. Like ninety percent of people online are. are just observers observers right yeah. or what the kids call creepers or lurkers right nine percent engage and one percent right <laughs> trolls yep and then one percent engage i'm sorry one percent create and so you don't know until like your your wife's cousin in indiana you don't know until he goes out of his way to go oh yeah by the way it's like well, why didn't you tell me that at the time it's like well i don't know i'm sure you're busy josh i'm not gonna bother you it's like yeah. there, you affect so many people without knowing that you do and until you start to get that feedback over time you don't know how much of a, of a difference you're making yeah no it's it's true so you mentioned uh earlier on you know brand aware brand awareness building trust um why why is this so important and what are some effective ways of doing that you know using social media keeping top of mind stuff of that nature it's, I think, looking at this as the opportunity, there's the best opportunity there's ever been to broadcast publicly what it is that you do and what you care about. And as you talked about with the millennials and certainly the Gen Zs, is they're very, very focused on, you know, you purport to be this high style of company, this kind of leader, but are you really that person? Your actions map to what it is that you claim. 
And I think we need to get ahead of this now because if you've seen any semis on the road, they all have dash cams, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of cars have that thing that's just recording people at all times. And pretty soon, whether it's Snapchat spectacles or something, all of us are going to be recorded constantly. So if you're not living what you say are your true values, you got to get ahead of that right now and either declare new true values or start to act differently, right? So I feel like the more now we can really put out there to say, hey, if you're interviewing with somebody, they go, are you a team player? Oh, for sure. Well, looking at your LinkedIn activity here, all I see is you bragging about yourself. That doesn't seem to be a team player. Oh, shoot. Right. So understand that if we have the ability to put ourselves out there and act in accordance with what it is that we claim, it's a really good way to get ahead of that conversation. And furthermore, in the artificial intelligence will tell us that before <laughs> the, yeah, right. the, the, the mining yeah. of the data on all these social media websites. Chad and I just got out of a meeting about that. Like, it's, it's crazy. So your employers are going to know that way before. Uh, or potential employers well before you even get in that meeting. Yes. Yep. And you may not get that meeting because of it. Yes. So, although you talked about the on video all the time, I was thinking through my head, just kind of funny. It's like all those nose pickers out there in the cars, <laughs> like, <laughs> watch yourself. <laughs> so you drive by and up like, ha there's that guy picking his nose again. Now it's on video and now someone's made a some sort of meme out of it. <laughs> so that's funny. So how often should uh, we be operating or uh, engaging on social media? I feel like anything that's going to get you on the platform and give you good feelings before you get off the platform. So it's said another way, right? When I first usually open talks, I ask people, you know, how many times have you scrolled through your phone on Facebook or gone down the YouTube rabbit hole and you go, oh my gosh, 45 minutes just disappeared. This stupid social media thing. I, I don't want to use this anymore, right? So we need to be disciplined with this. And so for the lawyers that are listening, they think it's six minute increments, right? So you set a timer, literally set a timer for six minutes, do as much as you possibly can, which is thanking other people, saying nice stuff about other people, you know, Tell posting. Happy birthday. Yeah, it, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Just really, really simple stuff, right? Timer goes off, you leave. You go, oh, I got as far as I could and I'm done. And so after a while, that accumulation of that activity is going to come back and you're going to say, well, wow, this is a really a, a good six minutes I'm spending each day. Why not spend 10 or 15? So it's, it's just doing little bite-sized pieces before you can validate to yourself if it makes sense to invest more time. So then for those on the opposite end of the spectrum that may be spending too much time going down that rabbit hole, is it still the timer thing or what is the, yeah, or okay. is it the intent maybe that you're talking about the, for them? Yes. So this doesn't work as well in audio as it would you and I in person, but best boss I ever had, sales guy said, Spence, when you're working, you have your phone to your ear. When your phone is not to your ear, you're not working. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I get it. So I ask people that when you have that phone and it's face down in your desktop and you open it, you bring it up and you look at it, are you going to use it to goof off or are you going to use it for work? And either way is fine, but understand the delineation between the two. Because if you go, this is going to be work, and then I'm going to put it back down, don't blend those lines, right? It's like mm -hmm. opening the internet browser at work and going, oh, shoot, I can go anywhere I want. You know, why not I goof off? So that's really it, is having that degree of discipline necessary to do those activities. That's really good. Uh, another way we, we've talked about this on the podcast before, be where your feet are. Yep. Is, you know, and you, that's, that's universal to being at home. You know, there's uh, a company out there that makes lock boxes for your device. I don't know what the number, I can't give them credit. I don't remember what the name of the company is, but uh, whereas you can put your cell phone in that device, uh, that lockbox, say just picture a safe and it won't go and it has a timer. So let's say three hours. So you need to spend time with your family for the next three hours and then that phone can come out of the uh, mm. this lockbox. Mm -hmm. But that's how addictive we become to yes. technology. So we got to use it for the good and then uh, try and limit the bad that we utilize it for as well. So what type of content works best? for doing this, so staying engaged, being social. So in, in the, I know you talked about kind of the quick hitter things, mm -hmm. but for the business out there, social media posts, whatever it may be, that what would you say, what works best to connect with people? I would say giving away the store as best as you possibly can. What do you so, mean by the store? So I, I know that there probably aren't a lot of plumbers that are listening to this right now, but if I'm a plumber, I'm making videos on here's how to fix a toilet, here's how to fix a leaky sink. Basically give exactly what you would do, you on camera, which most people would rebel against and go, my gosh, if I give away my best material, no one would hire me. And I think the exact opposite is true because people don't hire a lawyer. They don't hire a financial advisor to say, go do the stuff that I could do myself. They go, look, you're Josh in the risk mitigation business. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you this ownership so I can just walk away and go, at least somebody else is taking care of it. Right. So the more that we can share our very best ideas or to say, look, I know that people are going to run with these ideas and use them for free. Well, they're not your clients anyway. Don't worry about it, right? But those that want to give you money, 
They want to see if you are who you say you are. And the more that you can validate that through quality content, the better off you are. Well, Zach, what I said to you when we first met, uh, you said thanks for the likes and the engagement on social media. And I said, well, thank you for the value. You wouldn't get the likes and the engagement from me if you weren't putting out value, right? So it's giving that value away to people, expecting nothing in return, but knowing you're going to get more in return than you're giving away. Yes. And that's so interesting because I, when you said I think the opposite, I also think the opposite because I'm like, I know how to mow my lawn. I, I hire a landscaper to mow my lawn so I have more time with my kids. Mm. I do a time value of money calculation on anything. Plow, so I'm not out there shoveling because I, I have a very strict morning routine that I stick to. Uh, getting my kids to school, that's a good time for me to spend quality time with them. Uh, the mowing the lawn thing, I have more time with the kids in the summer. It seems a far fetch from where we're sitting right now, summertime, but uh, those things, I, so the plumbing side of things, even if that video comes out, I may or may not use it, but what I'm certainly gonna do is a time value of money calculation in my head and call that person that put out that video if I deem that it's not worth my time and I can spend that time with my kids. Well said. Yep. So that's really good. What platform should businesses use? Uh, I think I know the answer. But. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll validate it too. So when I talk to these big banks, right, so the big banks that everybody knows names of, and I ask them just out of curiosity, right, I'm at work and I'm on your desktop computer that your employer owns, which social media platforms can I use? They kind of laugh, they're like, what are you talking about? That's what your smartphone's for. You turn your back to your office door and you, that's how you goof off, right? I go, no, 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 just, just pretend. Which social media platforms would you use at work? And they go, uh, well, I, I guess I could go on LinkedIn. Oh, so, so what you're telling me is you're at work, in work mode, thinking about work-related stuff, and you can go on there, and if your boss walks by your desk, ostensibly you're working. That's what I want to do to produce content if I'm targeting people who are in business because that's what they're consuming at work, right? I've never once, because I'm, I'm, I'm in airports a lot, right? So I'm kind of that weirdo who likes to look over people's shoulders like, which which app are they using? Just out oh, of curiosity, right? So I, see, right? I'm like, <laughs> so I see a lot of mindless scrolling through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I've never once, never once seen somebody scrolling mindlessly through LinkedIn, ever. Like, why would you? You go on LinkedIn for work. So let's work at LinkedIn first, and if we can prove that that works for you and exhaust that, which I still haven't yet myself, but if you exhaust that, then perhaps consider the other social media platforms. Unless you're targeted about who you're following on LinkedIn. Because if you, you can get really granular about the type of content that's coming into your feed, you know that it's going to be relevant to what you're looking for. You're going to get value from, say, I'm following you. Let's say I'm following uh, Costco and they put out something of value and I click on that link because I know I like that brand. I want to follow the new trends or whatever they're going to have coming out. So then you could see the mindless scrolling, I guess, with LinkedIn. I, I, I could, but what you, what you talked about, that's more deliberate scrolling, right? I feel like you know, there's not even elevator music anymore. You know that, right? right. Like, th yeah. Why would you? Why would you pay a fee? Because everybody has their phone. So if you have like seven seconds, you're like, okay, I might as well go scroll through something. But I just don't see that same thing through LinkedIn. Like people are more purposeful with I'm ready to consume as opposed to I want a pretty picture or something. That's, that's great. And uh, the term you use there is mindless scrolling versus deliberate <laughs> yes. scrolling. So I think people and our listeners should know the difference there uh, or at least learn that difference now as being purposeful about what you allow into your... So I'm a big uh, no news proponent mm -hmm. because most news is bad news and it puts us into a tizzy and especially political stuff. Just stop listening or, or watching it or having it come into your feed. You can unfollow and still be friends with people. So if they're a negative Nancy in your Facebook feed and they're just putting out drama to the world and just looking for Facebook likes and stuff of that nature, stop following them. Mm -hmm. There's no chain that says you, you're tied to your desk and you have to follow this person. Limit that stuff. So be deliberate about it and be in that intent out there. Well said. So uh, for, for businesses besides LinkedIn, um, the other platforms, do you see much traction or much, uh, um, are you suggesting to them anything outside of LinkedIn to get more uses or maybe different generational stuff? For sure, for sure, yeah. I mean, Facebook, there's a reason why they're making $5 billion in profit every quarter. And that's because they have the eyeballs of just everybody who's out there. So Facebook recently announced they have 2.3 billion monthly active users which is astounding, right? And Instagram comprises a huge portion of that audience as well. Oh, so they're so combined. I know they own them, but they're combining those users no, between the Facebook those are Those are unique. Those are unique. So there, there's a lot of overlap, wow. right? There is overlap, but they are unique users to Facebook, and then there are unique users to Instagram as well, about a billion there also. Interesting. But what 
you know, that this is what, what we call the creepy Facebook ad thing. Like, why am I seeing those shoes and the color I like and the size that I wear? Because you Google searched it. Right. That, <laughs> and you've been on that website. So with, with Facebook, we call this retargeting. This can happen on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it. We say, hey, let's grab all those people that have been on your website and let's constantly show them good stuff from you on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever they show up. So Facebook, I feel like they have the really, really good mechanism put in place. Their advertising platform is probably four or five years ahead of LinkedIn in my estimation. So the more we can put out messages on Facebook, the better off we are. And a lot of people, especially lawyers, rebel against this. Like people don't want to hire lawyers from Facebook. And I'm like, well, that's the point. They don't want to hire you. It's because they saw that you're doing great work in the community. And you have this pro bono expectation that's put on you where you can say, hey, we're out here doing this wonderful charitable work. This is why it should endear you to us, right? So it's not like go buy our legal service. It's like, here's us just doing stuff in the context of when people have their khakis on it as opposed to a suit. And stay on top of mind, like your book says, is like if they're out there doing great stuff in the community, you may not need legal services last year, this year or whatever, but you say, oh, that's cool. This law firm's doing this, and then the next time you need legal services, that may stay at top of mind versus any other law firm that you could look up in the on Google search or anything else. And also from a retention standpoint, man, like the, the more people you can validate their idea to continue doing business with you, and they see you come through their feed and you doing wonderful stuff because you're, I mean, you live this 100 yeah. percent your team, right? The more I see Cosmic Financial doing better and better stuff in the community, I go, yeah. I did make a great decision by choosing to work with them, right? Yeah. So it's it's loving those customers that you already have as well. Yeah, and that's that's our biggest thing is continue to do well on the community service side. Uh, just getting more bang for the buck and it feels better. Like if I can spend $10,000 marketing but it's going towards charitable causes versus $10,000 putting up a sign somewhere, it, for, maybe I get the same rate of return. Maybe. But I can tell you the emotional rate of return on doing something charitable is, is immeasurable. Yes. So... That's really good. So um, what's the opportunity cost in your estimation of someone not engaging on social media? You know what? Because I hear this from lawyers a lot too. They go, well, you know, I have enough business that I don't need to do social media. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I don't, I, I don't have any place to tell I you. I can't to do audibly it. roll my eyes. But I just <laughs> roll my eyes. <laughs> but, but I mean, if, if that's what they're telling themselves, I'm, I'm 100% on board. Like, I don't want to force anybody to do it. But I feel like what, what I used to do, just backing up. So back when I was a 401k wholesaler, just starting in the business, I used to make a trip from Madison, where we are now, to Indiana every single week, every single Monday, five and a half hours in the car, straight from about 2.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. So you're going to Central Indy. Time. Yeah, I was going to Indy. Yep. I know exactly the time it takes to get Yes. There. And, and you, you lose an hour because you go from Central to Eastern yep. time, right? So what I used to do is just hammer the phone and I just leave voicemail after voicemail hoping to educate advisors to say, hey, I I pitched this 401k plan last week. Here's how it went. I thought you might benefit from hearing this story. 164 targeted financial advisors was who I would call over the five and a half hour period just to get them to think about me at all. And I feel like now it's so easy just to put stuff out there periodically and have people go, oh, yeah. I didn't think about him in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Why don't we reinvigorate this? Yeah. So that's the opportunity cost is us doing so many first coffee meetings and then people forget about you. It's yeah. like staying top of mind is so important. And you're right. It's so much easier. I, I heard of a story uh, early on in my career where there was a very well-to-do uh, client that it took him 20 years to land as a client. The, the advisor, it was an insurance agent at that time. And uh, he sent him a birthday card every single year to stay at least relevant in that person's mind. The person kept putting them off. They were happy with their advisor or agent at that time. And uh, 20 years later, wasn't so happy or the person was retiring. I can't remember the exact part, how that they parted ways, but ended up working with this new person only on the fact that he stayed top of mind by sending a birthday card one time a year. Hmm. And now we can do that through emails and we have software that just allows us to do it. We're not even pressing the buttons. We just set it into the system and boom, it's in their inbox just like that. Yes. And, and I think what you inferred is super important too because there, there's an insurance company that I won't name where I've been a client of theirs for a long time. And I would get this Thanksgiving card that clearly was not sent from the agent yeah. and was not signed by the agent. It had that kind of photostatic signature. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is really not even trying, yeah. right? So to your point, it's like we have to go at least a step further to personalize those things. But now because it is electronic, it's much, much, much more efficient as opposed yeah. to having to do things one-on-one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So are there other ways to build awareness and trust for those of us who are not content creators? It's by making purposeful comments on people that you're targeting as far as your clients or your prospective clients. 
So everybody, and that this is interesting too, you, you talked about the vulnerability, right? Every CEO that I've talked to eventually, after spending a few times with her, she'll say, you know what? Um, what if I put something out there and no one cares? You know how that would make me feel? Like, what if, you know, I, I don't get any likes on my posts? Should I even be doing this? So everybody has that apprehension of pushing that publish button or share button. And if you're the person that's out there making purposeful comments, and I'm not talking about like, hey, great post. And then they say, thank you. And then what do you say back? Like, thank you for thanking me. It's like, no, it just devolves, <laughs> right? It's like, make, make purposeful comments that allow that person then to say, hey, I saw that you were writing about this. I saw that you shared about this. You mentioned this. Could you expand on this just a little bit for me? Because then they go, oh, now I have permission publicly because you asked me to expand on something that perhaps I didn't think was important before. So it's by being very, very purposeful and being very targeted with those who, whom you'd like to serve. And depending on the question, I mean, maybe they, you'd have to have them DM you or maybe they could answer it in a more public forum that gives other people education that they wouldn't have had prior to. I feel like that's the goal, right? Is to have conversations in public where all of these people are just out there on the periphery watching and you have no idea. The 90% are. that are observing, yes, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's that's just great. And I love the post that, that you did and I, I copied it and shared it with that uh, high school kid yeah. that, that reached out to you. And I loved it, I was like, shoot your shot. Like, what do you have to lose? So for, for everyone listening, Spencer, uh, was it last week? Yeah, I think it was yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. Two, yeah. Yeah. two weeks ago last yeah. week, a high school senior reaches out to Spencer. And uh, and what, what was in reference to? Just like the stuff that you were doing and wanted to get yeah. in and talk well, a little and, bit about and that. And so, dude, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I get a lot of these. You probably get way more when people, <laughs> people text you or email you or send you messages on LinkedIn saying, i just like to pick your brain. It's like, so I'd like free consulting from yeah. you and yeah, yeah. offer nothing in return. So he called me. He actually left me a voicemail, which is awesome. Because I'm like, what is this strange thing on my device, right? He leaves <laughs> me a voicemail and he goes, hey, you know, you don't know me, but I'm a senior at Lake Mills High School here in Wisconsin. And I was looking at your Instagram profile and I had some ideas of how I can maybe make it better. And by the way, if we're together, I'd love to get your ideas on how I could do some stuff better as well. And that positioning, it made me want to err on the side of just giving more to him. And what I said, or what, I'm sorry, what I loved about when you shared, what you shared, what you said, you go, hey, you know, shoot your shot and pick up the phone and call somebody. And why not? Right? The worst so, you're going to hear is no. Right. And because you furthered the conversation, that validated what he did. So think about how many people saw that post. Because my, my last number that I saw, it's like over 5,000 people viewed that post. So just think about how empowering that might be for that high schooler who goes, I could never reach out to somebody who's you know, this professional. It's like, no, man, you got to. You got to at least well, It's it. twice my age or three times right, my age. Because right. I think we have this, you know, especially if we were raised in a, in a household that says respect your elders. Sometimes when you hear that respect your elders thing, it makes you fearful of your elders. And that shouldn't be the case because you can make a very respectful phone call and leave a voice, very respectful voicemail like he did to you. And this turns into a bigger thing than he ever. So that kid connected with me. I don't know if that was on your uh, uh, um, pushing to do or not or advice to do, but he connected with me. And so and he basically said, hey, you know, just really appreciate the, the like and that, uh, you know, I'd love to follow you and see what business ventures you continue to go on and if I can learn from those. And I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm going to accept that. Yeah. So uh, that was just a really cool example of, of, and I think there's so many, you know, that's a, you know, I said young man, he's you know, 17, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. There's so many people twice his age that won't do the same thing. Yes. And so two things. First of all, you gave me goosebumps when you said that because it's so true, right? But then people might go, well, you know, that that's great. Like, I'm Spence, you have time to help high school kids. I don't. Okay, fair, fair. But think about that virtuous cycle where he did the outreach, but then I could share his story and everybody looks to us and go, that's that's a really cool story. Thanks mm -hmm. for conveying that, Spence. What else do you have to say next that's positive, that's going to help me feel good? So now I have permission to say something about other people, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. really, it's 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 this wonderful win-win situation for everybody. So that's, I think that's a great segue. on let's talk about relationships or building relationships on social media because that is really where the Gen Z millennials are, you know, I mean, that's where all these dating apps have really come into play for us as well, if we want to go to that level. But on the business side of things, what are some tips on how to do this appropriately? Mm. <laughs> I think that's probably the key operative. And what platform should we be considering to do so? I, I love LinkedIn messaging because people get it. People get the messages from you. Even if they're not on LinkedIn, LinkedIn will, will send them an email on your behalf that says, Josh Cosmic messaged you. You might yeah. want to go check it yeah. out. 
But I feel like we have to have that opening salvo first that's going to be beneficial to that person. So there's a company out there called Zoom. They're out in San Jose. They're, they're, they're a unicorn, right? So they're a billion dollar company. The way I've gotten to know the CEO is anytime I'm flying through these highly trafficked airports, Chicago, Boston, I see these Zoom billboards. And I just randomly grabbed a, a Zoom billboard photo and I put it out on Twitter and I said, how cool is it that a tech company, a billion dollar tech company is doing analog advertising? All marketing matters. Mm-hmm. And they liked it on Twitter, meaning Zoom. He liked it on Twitter. And then we started DMing back and forth. And I said, hey, I, I messaged you because I put you in my book. Like this story ended up in the book. May I send you a book? So when I went out to their, what they call Zoomtopia, the user conference last, um, probably three or four months ago, he and I, when we saw each other, it was the first time we met in real life. But he goes, Spencer, my good friend Spencer, he introduced me to all of the people that he was with. So I feel like if we can just express honest appreciation and then when we do see somebody in person, they'll go, you help me look good and ask for nothing in return. And how wonderful is that? And if we can go back, right? What we used to do baseball cards, right? We take like the Mark McGuire rookie card, send it into the Oakland A's, be like, gosh, I really hope that he signs it and sends it back, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was the, as far as we could possibly go or like wait at the dugout side, and like try to get somebody to sign a car. But yeah. now like everybody's jockeying for attention constantly. And if you say, these are the people I really want to know, if I could help them broadcast their message, perhaps I could get to know them on a more intimate level. It works more times than not. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So what type of language is more most or more effective when making those connections? It's by first flattering people in a, in a genuine way. I know those are maybe contradictory terms, but genuine flattery, A. And then when you make a connection request, say like Gavin, this gentleman that we were talking about, this high school kid said to you, Josh, I'd like to follow you and what you're doing here on LinkedIn. Again, that's flattery, right? Yeah. And then if you do have something to say or a way to benefit them, just let them know that. Yeah. You know, it's by constantly being of value and then perhaps they might ask you to do something for them. Yeah. And maybe you say, well, I don't want to speak out of turn. This is your business, but I had this idea. I don't think anyone's going to really shoot that down. Why so, or at least say, I really appreciate it. We're actually working on that currently or... Or haven't thought of it that way. Let's meet and talk about it more. Um, and if they did, that's probably not someone you want to associate with anyhow. Yes. Right. Yep. So that's why I always tell our new advisors when they're calling on people as well is like, you're gonna, you can only identify with so many people, and you can only work with so many households, and you, and you're gonna attract your tribe, the people that are most connected with your authenticity and your uh, personality. So let's find those people. So the ones that say no to you, or the ones that hang up on you, or the ones that uh, continue to blow you off. That's not that's not part of your crew. You continue to go find your crew that really appreciate your advice, really appreciate uh, the time you're spending uh, and the education that you've done to put into their plan. And so I think that applies to everything is we're not meant to appeal to everyone. You think about the polarization of politics in the last two presidents, at least 50% of the country, current president and last president, has hated their guts, mm. at least perceived anyhow and that's what the media tells us but the bottom line is that just means that i I don't know maybe we need to be disliked by more people to find the people that really identify with us because they're at the you know top of the the, at least the political ladder and they're hated by 50 percent or more Hmm. but the other percentage put them in office and they became the you know top person in the free world and I think what you bring up is a really good point as far as niching down. I'm using that as a verb, so excuse me. But the more we can niche down and say, I'm exactly for you, that's a safer place to be than being a broad generalist, right? Have you heard about this kid in lacrosse, this 11-year-old kid that's adopted from Ethiopia where he's this huge crocheting no. celebrity now? No, 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 He just got a book deal. So I found out about him from uh, the Wisconsin State Journal, and it said, here's this kid who just by way of Instagram is this cr- crocheting protege and has all of these followers and you know 99% of people could care less about crochet at all but he has this tribe of people and now got a book deal at age 11 simply because he said I'm exactly for you and so why not be that way right why not say I'm exactly for you as an audience and serve those people what's the so what do you think is the best way to present an ask or an offer I think through it, through online. Yeah, I, I think, and, and we've worked through um, attorneys a lot with this, and it's it's sending personalized in-mail. Uh, sorry, not sorry. I shouldn't say that. Not in-mail messages because you pay for those. It's LinkedIn messaging and say, I'm going to be in your area. I'd like to be a resource for you. May I come and see you on my own dime and just let you know what, what we're sharing. So it's, it's after making a purposeful connection and then saying, I play in the space. I like what you've done. I'd like to be a value to you and just getting that yes or no. That's great. So, 
What are some appropriate ways to ask for referrals then? Mm. This is a tougher one, I feel like. You mean on social media? Sure. Um, you know, I feel like there, there's a lot to say for researching somebody's connections and asking that individual who's connected to somebody with whom you'd like to connect, say, is it is it okay if I use your name or would you mind making a connection for me and maybe just introducing me to those people? Yeah. And, you know, more often than not, people might say, well, I, I don't really know that person. I'm just connected to him or her. But I think the more activity that we do in that space, the easier it is for them to liaise that conversation. Yeah. Because right? they can do it digitally as opposed to in another way. Yeah. And I don't know that, again, I, I always operate under at least shoot your shot because the worst you're going to hear is no. So you, you got to ask. But uh, if you do it in a respectful manner and say, hey, we got some common connections, you, you happen to be one of them, would you at least be the liaison there that it's got to be a good way to at least approach it. Mm-hmm. So, so the big question I hear a lot from from our advisors is how to use social media to generate either direct sales calls. Um, I understand, uh, or from what I understand from our conversation so far, there's no magic button, right? So, to generate a direct one-to-one sale on social media, but but what are some ways that one could potentially use social media to generate sales or calls? I think it's to get meetings. I think it's good meetings. It's um, it's something where we found, and again, this this is what the attorneys that we work with usually Tuesdays uh, through Thursdays, about mid morning, so about ten thirty or so, about two thirty in the afternoon, and then about eight fifteen at night. It's a really really good time to send individual LinkedIn messages hmm. because you know that people are online. They're probably going to get it, and if it's a good time, they'll respond because I feel like that messaging system because it's business related first and it's contextual and if they see it they can respond to it it's not buried in their email with a bunch of other stuff because i mean i feel like spam filters have gotten so aggressive now for anything that it's really hard to get through to people so i almost exclusively use linkedin messaging just to set up appointments and to do my asks yeah yeah that's interesting because uh, i think that's all you're looking for is a meeting and a chance right so that's what you got to be asking for um, is there an ad platform that works best for certain industries? Oh, LinkedIn for sure. Yeah. Oh, so good example of this. Um, if you want to target a company who has no idea who you are and have them at least have a familiarity with you, you as an individual in your company, you can send LinkedIn you can, messages. Basically, you can say, I want people who work at this company at this level or above to see my piece of sponsored content. So before you go to that next conference, networking event, company outing or whatever, they could go, wow, Josh, you know, I see your stuff on LinkedIn all the time. You must really be out there. It's like, no, I'm just targeting you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you can be really specific with your verbiage. So that, that's been astounding for. Which, by the way, also. everyone, I'm not targeting anyone. <laughs> that doesn't mean I won't in the future. Right. But I'm not currently. <laughs> yeah. What we call account selling. Right. Like, how do we how do we figure out who those six people are? If we lay out an org chart at a company like we need these six people to know who we are we can make sure that they know who you are. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. So thinking about budget, and a business owner may be thinking about budget, for one of these uh, campaigns that they may do on social media, uh, everyone's budget's different. So let's talk percentage. What percentage do you think someone should set aside uh, to do something like this? We start extremely small because the data points aren't inhibited by not spending a big amount of money. So we could spend you know, literally a few hundred bucks and just see how the response is as far as if people take any kind of action and who those people are that we're reaching. And if they take that desired action, then we can put more dollars between um, us and, and that person because it is a self-service platform. It's really easy to just test a bunch of stuff and see what works and then do more of those things that work as opposed to like grandiose you know, marketing campaigns. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So they say you don't know what you don't know. So what haven't I asked you that you feel would be good for our listeners to know today? I feel like if, if we can talk a little bit about when people have that, that fear of pushing the publish button, how they get over it. Okay. Is that cool? Let's okay. So there, there's an adage that says 80% out the door is better than 100% in the drawer. Okay. <laughs> and once people push that publish button or share button and they start getting validation from whomever, that's where things really start to take off. Where yeah. they go, my gosh, this actually does work. And sitting on the sidelines doesn't help. So before that, right, so how do we lead up to the point where I'm ready to publish? Make it a point to go out there and let other people know that you're listening because that's going to engender trust. And then when you eventually do share, they're going to see your stuff and they're going to correspond favorably as well. They're going to re- reciprocate, right? So that's the goal is to set the stage so when you do say something and it's good, people will respond and then you go, okay, this is this is going to work. So that that's really like the, the steps before we actually publish something. I yeah. think that's super important, the psychology of it. Do you think, do people just trip over words? Like they're just so worried about 
the wording of things that they're going to offend someone or like what's holding people back? I think it's it's really that fear of silence. It's not it's not I'm going to be embarrassed or I'm going to say something silly or people are going to take what I say and, and maybe misperceive it. It's really what if I put something out there and no one cares? That That's the biggest fear. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting because, yeah, you know, there's some psychology and the, the dopamine hits that you get from the likes that mm-hmm. we get on social media. And some people, <laughs> some personal people, not necessarily business owners, but have taken to that too much where they're seeking validation through a digital platform. And that can be a very negative thing. But on the business side of things, that can't be too negative. But you got to be able to put yourself out there. Otherwise, you're never going to grow your business. Yes. So... I can see how that would definitely be a psychology game on the personal side of things, but on the business side of things, publish. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, say something, yeah. So what are two to three big picture overarching points that uh, you would like to drive home considering our topic today? I think it's to be purposeful, number one. You know, when you when you pick up that phone, when you go online and you want to do something on a social media platform, think about is this business, is this personal? When you decide to do it from a business perspective, first be giving and offer other people some kind of value, some kind of validation of what they're saying. And then eventually when you do say something, don't just brag about yourself because that's the most common thing that we see is we won this award. Look at us in this paper. It's like, yeah, people care, but people care infinitely more about themselves. So the more that you can brag on their behalf and we have, and this is a a wonderful take home if I could, man, like any of these magazines that have either online or print presences. So locally here, it'd be Madison Magazine, it'd be in Business Magazine, et cetera. Bravo, There's just all, those. Bravo, all of those, right? There's just reams and reams of wonderful information about people doing really great stuff. And if you take a simple picture and say, I'm so proud of this person for doing this work here in Madison, and it's true, like it's not just it's not just fabricated, right? It's genuine. What's that person going to do when they see that? Be like, oh my gosh, like how cool is that? Like yeah. I didn't want to be the person to put it out there and be like, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of like look at me kind of person. But if you're doing that on their behalf, you can do that till the end of time. Yeah. And it will always work. And and how couldn't they be flattered? Yes. Like that. Yeah. yeah. That's just that's that's so great. So great. So busy, biggest advice on how to succeed in business from your years underneath an employer now being an employer. Yeah, man. Um, it, it's it's so cliche, but I mean, you you know as well as anybody, like the, the people that work with you are the only ones that going, are going to make you successful, right? And so I, I bristle when I hear people and I meet somebody at a networking event and they'll introduce somebody that they work with and they go, hey, she works for me. Like, I don't really think she works for you. Mm-hmm. She, you work mm-hmm. with her, but it's, it's that, that simple positioning statement, understanding that you're really there to elevate your staff. And that, that humility, or as you said, taking that ego and just you know altering it slightly to understand that your ego displaced would really be a benefit to everybody. That that's the biggest thing that I can possibly think of, man. Just elevate the people with whom you work, and wonderful things happen. Do, do you really need your title to be above theirs? Yeah, like that's the thing. Is like I think about that, and we've even gotten somewhat away on teaching people to get away from staff to team member, mm. because that's what they really are for you. Is like that, yes, you may cut the check to employ them but they're a valuable team member and you couldn't do what you do without them, right? So so regardless of what your title is, regardless if you cut the check that pays them and uh, their salary like and their benefits, yeah, like you said, elevate, make sure they feel important at all times. And uh, and the people that you're getting introduced to or introducing anyhow, like in the example you use, they're not gonna think anything less of you because you didn't introduce yourself as CEO, president or otherwise. Yeah. And you're talking good about this other person. They're going to think more of you. So that's really good. So uh, before we wrap up with our final two questions, I want to thank you so much for the time. Like, oh, it's obvious you're a giver and this is what you get paid to do. And you're on here giving advice uh, to all of our business owners. So I would say that uh, to the business owners listening, he's got a lot of hidden up his sleeve that he didn't give us today. So he's certainly worth uh, bringing into your organization. Um, so the final two questions we always ask what book are you reading or what's your favorite book and why? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll ask uh, the last one after you get through that. Okay. Well, thank you for your kind words, by the way. I feel like that the book, Good to Great, that Jim Collins had written, yeah. I think back in 2000 or so, that, that really gets a lot of credit and rightfully so. But the book that preceded that one is called Built to Last. Yeah. And I think that one really has the core tenets that we all need to take into account when it's like, how do we form up an organization that's going to be long lasting? 
And so when he talks about core values, when he talks about your mission statement, the culture that you're trying to convey, that's a book that I constantly revisit. And there's just this, and I have it printed out, it's on my desk at all times. It's from the Harvard Business Review, and it was their very early version of Built to Last. And it basically said, like, hey, of these seven pages, what are you doing now? And it's something that I constantly have to revisit because otherwise it's that old working in your business as opposed to on your business thing. The more that we can really think in terms of what are our core values, what are we trying to do as far as make a difference, that's, that's the big book that I constantly... So would you consider yourself a level five leader yet? No, dude. No, <laughs> man. And I feel like I've I've met natural level five leaders and they have no idea that they are. You're right. And, oh, and, and in man. fact, Jim Collins said that. Like yeah. the Costco CEO and some of the other examples he utilized, they they would never label themselves that. You know, so I just I brought that up in jest because I love that book as well. But uh, so I'm getting goosebumps again, man, because I feel like that that's like the, I'm thinking about some specific people who I look to them. I'm like, don't you realize that the organization is where it is because of you? And they go, no, no, no. It's it's not because of me at all. It's like it's that's exactly yeah. why. That's, that's exactly that's why. why they are who they are and yeah. what the, why the organization is what they are. Yeah. And that's it's setting that ego aside, like we've talked a lot about. So how do we how do we get in touch with you? How does the audience get in touch with you? LinkedIn, LinkedIn is great. Yeah, um, <laughs> my, my website, which is my just my name, spencerxsmith.com, that has the, the latest and greatest, you know, blog posts and all that kind of stuff on it. So that that's a really good way to get a hold of me as well. And then anyone that's, uh, well, let me ask you this: on the team side, as you're a growing business, what do you look for, and how might people that would be interested in working with you or for you uh, yeah. go about that route? <laughs> It's, it's really just reach out because that's the last couple of hires that we had were really just fortuitous timing wise where these two people said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking to maybe do something. Could you consider seeing, seeing me work for you for free? So they were offering free work first just to get, get their foot in the door. And I feel like when people go in with that level of humility, um, that, that makes me really attracted to that kind of person where they're like, all I really want to do is have some exposure to you. So it's not that I'm asking people to work for free, but it's more so just reach out and say, here's what perhaps I can offer you. Um, so, yeah, man, just just let it be known, right? Take a shot. As shoot, you said. Your shot. Yeah, shoot your That's shot. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Spencer, everybody. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inspire People, Impact Lives. If you've been inspired today, please share this episode with as many people as possible so that together our impact is exponential. Exponential.